Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like in the parking lot at your kid's peewee championship game. A trophy bigger than your five-year-old is blocking the rear windshield of the car in front of you. As they reverse into you, you're stuck on defense. And if you don't have the right auto insurance coverage, this crash could drain your athletic fund. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. Hello, everybody. Welcome into another episode of the Fantasy Pros Football Podcast. I am Ryan Warmly, joined this morning by a couple of Andrews, but don't call them Andrew. It's Andrew Erickson and Andrew Cooper. Coop joining us from Fantasy Alarm. Thank you so much for making the time. I am thanking all the guests because I know it's just a you know super busy time of year. September is when everybody's working just right and left, doing shows right and left, rankings right and left. It's just a very busy time. So I appreciate you making the time for us, Coop. Uh, we are here Tuesday morning. We are talking some buy low, sell high running backs. We are also going to talk about some of the most traded running backs that have happened in the last couple of days. So we're going to jump right in because we have a pretty stocked show today. Running backs. I want to start with you guys with the most traded running back right now, and it's actually Jerome Ford. So a week ago, he was the hot button player to talk about when it came to waivers. This week, it's when it comes to trades. And Erickson, I actually want to kind of start with you on the buy, seller hold, because we talked a lot last week about how his value is never going to be lower than after this first week, given the matchup. Now, he got in the end zone a couple times, so he actually wasn't the worst start. But like most running backs do, struggled against the Tennessee defense. So are you buying, selling, or holding on Jerome Ford right now, Erickson? I'm I'm selling on Jerome Ford. Easy sell for me. Look, he had the perfect run out for someone that spent a lot of fab on him because he scored two touchdowns. But he was not the first Cleveland Browns player to get a carry in that game. He wasn't the second. He wasn't the third. He was the fourth player to get a carry for the Cleveland Browns in, in week three. Like, if this is the RB1 usage that people were hoping for from Jerome Ford... When you're looking at his snaps, I mean, he played a little bit over than 50% of the snaps. I mean, Kareem Hunt, like, had a decent role when they said he was going to be on a pitch count. So is Kareem Hunt just going to be in this beta role the entire season? Is he going to get ramped up? Because coming straight off the couch, like, Kareem Hunt was playing a, a legitimate snaps in this game. He also was targeted at a hyper-target rate, at a hyper-high rate. So for me, you have a bye week coming up for Jerome Ford that's coming up soon. I think that he's a sell for me especially because you can move him because he scored two touchdowns. Like that's the selling point that you use to get off of Jerome Ford, who currently ranks in the bottom two in terms of rushing success rate this year. Like basically he's had that one big run and has pretty much done nothing besides that. So Jerome Ford for me is someone that I would easily try to sell high on, especially after all the touchdowns. Yeah. Coop Ford's currently in that game, 10 carries, 18 yards and a touchdown. Uh, two catches, 33 yards, and the touchdown. He did have the most carries on the team, but like Erickson mentioned, a little more Kareem Hunt than I think we were expecting. Are you buying, selling, or holding on Ford right now? No, I'm with him, man. I'm selling. And you got to consider the narrative of it as well because this guy, Kareem Hunt, was super unhappy. He was trying to shoot his way out of town last year. He was hesitant to come back this year. And for them to actually convince him to come back, they had to sell him on the fact that he was actually going to play and have a role. Can you imagine if this guy was unhappy, didn't come back to the team, and then they convinced him to come back to the team and didn't give him the ball, especially with this incentive-laden contract? Like, there's no question that Kareem Hunt's going to be heavily involved this year. So for me, if I can take a guy like Jerome Ford, who I almost certainly got off waivers, or I stashed for this exact reason, and turn that into something that I can definitively trust, that's, I mean, that's found money, right? So uh, anytime I can grab a guy like that, that is unproven, we don't know what the role is going to be, and flip him for something I can trust a little more, I do it right away. Okay, so I, I pulled out some names here, guys, I want to ask if you would trade Jerome Ford too. Based on the fact that you're both emphatically selling, it sounds like you will make these trades. These are players that are ranked in very similar ranges rest of season as Ford, and this might change because I actually have, I have DeAndre Swift included here, who, you know, we now have another week of data from, from last night's games. But would you trade Jerome Ford, and Coop, I'll start with you, for Raheem Mostert, Javante Williams, or DeAndre Swift, or is it all of them? So it might be all of them. With Javante Williams, if you look at where he's at and and the direction he's trending, he went from basically being the secondary back in the first game to splitting fairly evenly with P. Ryan getting more snaps on the pass downs, him getting more snaps on the rundowns. This week, they split the pass snaps evenly, and he got pretty much all the carries. He's trending in the right direction. If they were even for to stay in this spot, 
that's basically the usage we get out of Aaron Jones, where, you know, he he gets pretty much most of the work there. And, you know, there's some goal line carries taken away. So Javante Williams is a guy I'm definitely interested in because he's trending in the right direction. DeAndre Swift, obviously, right now, I mean, the question is whether the DeAndre Swift owner is going to give him to you, right? Because he comes out, has a monster week, week two, and then backs it up again with another super high efficiency week. Looked great this week. The one thing you're missing with DeAndre Swift is that uh, Nick Sirianni does not like calling running back screens. You look at uh, Doug Peterson before him, dialed up 40 running back screens his last time coaching this team. Last year, Sirianni only dialed up like 11 to the running backs. And and once again, they're not really doing a ton of it. That's the one thing you're kind of missing. Moster is the one that's closest to me because, I mean, Devon Aching came out and crushed. And people forget that Jerome Ford is going to come back and probably be that goal line plotter. You ask yourself, we look at what what are the high leverage situations? First down, right? Just being out there in first down gives you more opportunities. Being out there for goal line is if there's a pass interference in the end zone, who do they send down there to plunge it in? It'll probably be Jeff Wilson. And then, of course, two-minute drill because two-minute drill, unlike third downs, you're out there for the whole thing. They put you out there. You're out there for every snap. There's, There's audibles. There's multiple plays called in the huddle. There's no time to substitute. You get all those snaps. And to me, Raheem Mostert now, might not be a lock to get all those in in any of the, any of those situations. I do love the way he's playing, so I don't know. I'll have to ask you guys if you would make that trade. I think it's about even for me, but the other two, I'm definitely doing. Yeah, Erickson. I know you've been a big sell on Raheem Mostert guy. So would you trade Ford for Mostert, or are these two guys you want to sell? Yeah, I would. I would still make that trade. Trading Jerome Ford for Raheem Mostert. I think that. I mean, Ford's schedule. I mentioned it a little bit earlier, but it's. It's horrible. I mean, they're playing the Ravens this week, which I don't think is like necessarily a bad matchup, but then it's the bye week. Then you have the 49ers and then the Colts. Like that's horrible for running backs. So yeah, I, I think Raheem Mostert just has more value anyway. So, I mean, this is one of those classic scenarios where if I could flip Jerome Ford for Raheem Mostert and then trade Raheem Mostert for DeAndre Swift or, or like one of the, like something like that, like that's what I would do. So Arbitrage. there's no reason you have to be held to the guy you're targeting, but it's like, you can make multiple trades. So if I think, and especially right now, I mean, I don't see how Raheem Mostert doesn't have more trade value right now coming off a four touchdown game. I know a chain was obviously great, but just the value that he has right now, which I try to consider when I do my rest of the season rankings, because people are looking at them, not necessarily because of drafting these players, but for trade value. So even if I'm not the highest on Raheem Mostert, I realize that the marketplace is going to be high on him because he just had a four touchdown game. So that's why I have him ranked clearly ahead of Jerome Ford. And, and I would definitely take Raheem Mostert um, over Ford. Qu- quickly, Erickson, uh, Ford or Javante, who would you rather have? Uh, Javante. I would have all those other guys over Jerome yeah. Ford. We are back with another week of football, and DraftKings Sportsbook is keeping us in on the NFL action with great offers every single game day. New customers can bet $5 and get $200 instantly in bonus bets. Throw five down on any of this week's epic matchups to walk away an instant winner. And DraftKings isn't stopping there. All customers can take advantage of two new offers every game day this September. Football is more fun when you're in on the action, so download the app now and sign up with code FANTASYPROS. New customers Customers can bet just $5 to get $200 instantly in bonus bets only on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL with code FANTASYPROS. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort, Kansas. Licensee partner Golden Nugget Lake Charles, Louisiana. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. See sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football terms for eligibility, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. Guys, let's go to our other most traded running back here, and that's Brian Robinson of the Commanders. So, Erickson, I'll start with you this time. Buying, selling, or holding on Robinson? So, for me, he's actually a buy off of, you know, his worst game of the season. And when you look at the peripherals to what he did this past week, I mean, this was like the worst case scenario for Brian Robinson. Like, the team is down absolutely big. He's not involved in the passing game whatsoever. He played less than 40% of the snaps because Antonio Gibson is taking all of the pass game work. And yet, Brian Robinson's still able to get to 70 yards rushing, even though he only had 10 carries. He came up just short of scoring a goal line touchdown. 
And, I mean, he continues to impress me as just a rusher. Like, he looks good out there when they get the ball to him. He did have one pass that he caught for a, a screen pass that he caught for 15 yards, but it got ca- called back due to a penalty. And despite the fact that Gibson played over 60% of the snaps, they're not giving Gibson the ball. Like, he's, like, not getting any actual touches besides in the passing game. Um, and he continues to fumble the ball. So there's a scenario where I could see Brian Robinson seeing his pass game role expanded as the season progresses, as they just kind of sour more on Antonio Gibson, because they clearly like Brian Robinson a lot. So for me, he's a buy after a a bad game, because this was like the worst case scenario for him, like putting up 70 stills, getting 70 rushing yards. Again, if he had scored the touchdown, we wouldn't even really owners probably wouldn't be as concerned about Brian Robinson, um, because I think that he is their bell cow back and in games where they're just going to be more closely contested, not getting absolutely blown out. I think that he's still going to be really solid. So for me, I would buy the dip um, after a bad game. What do you think, Coop? So I've got him in the hold category, which for me is a big improvement because coming into the season, I was completely off Brian Robinson. Didn't want any part of him because I thought he was you know, he's a great rusher. I thought Gibson could do this at times. But, you know, Brian Robinson has proven that he is more of in the bell cow category than he is in just the one down. I was worried that he were going to get like an Alfred Morris or a Jeremy Hill that was catching no passes, doing nothing. Week one, he comes out, catches a touchdown pass, proves that that's not going to be the case. So uh, this guy, he clearly can can do everything. My concern is kind of twofold here. One is that we did see Antonio Gibson getting the pass work here. The other is that, uh, as Erickson points out, not every game is going to be like this, but there might be a lot of them. Because if you look at their schedule, you've got, two more games versus the Eagles. The Patriots are on the schedule. The Dolphins are on the schedule. And the, the the season ends like this. Jets, 49ers, Cowboys, right? So, uh, I mean, they have the Cowboys twice on the schedule to finish this year. So it, it there are going to be some pretty rough games. I'm not trading Brian Robinson, but I'm also probably not going crazy to acquire him, you know? Okay, well, let's get some, some comps here. Uh, and Coop, I'll start with you here. Would you trade Brian Robinson for James Conner? So those guys, to me, are in the same boat, except for James Conner. He doesn't have a Antonio Gibson to worry about. Like I just, Even if they're getting crushed, I think that the Cardinals have committed to tanking, and it's going to look kind of like the Jaguars did with James Robinson, where they just said, hey, you know what, man? This, is, this year doesn't matter to us, and we have no problem just letting you play the entire game, regardless of what's happening. You're one of our best players, so that's what it is. And I think that the James Conner could have plenty of those games, for better or worse, where he just plays the whole game. There isn't, I just can't see anybody on that depth chart playing over him in any situation. The, you know, of course, James Conner, you always have to worry about injury. He's never played a full season, but for now he's getting all the work. So I think I would rather have James Conner right now. How about Brian Robinson for Brees Hall? That one's tough. This week was a little more promising. Week two, they split the snaps down the middle, right? Or or, sorry, into thirds because it was uh, Dalvin Cook, Brees Hall, and Michael Carter. At least we got 30 snaps out of Brees Hall compared to 15 for Cook and and the other guys. But I think think that's where I draw the line, where Brian Robinson at least is kind of the guy. And for the Jets right now, there isn't really the guy just yet. And lastly, Brian Robinson or Miles Sanders? (laughs) It's Tim Robinson would say, it's illegal for you to ask me that. Because I, <laughs> I am such a Miles Sanders guy that I I might even I might have to recuse myself from this question uh, as they would do on the Supreme Court. Because Miles Sanders, for me, I talked earlier about the higher leverage situations. First down, two-minute drill, goal line. Like, even if Chuba Hubbard comes out and has a nice run here or there or, you know, catches a ball, I still think it's Miles Sanders' job. And... I, as we get farther away from the groin injury, I think Miles Sanders looks more like the Miles Sanders we know and love. So I personally am just higher on Miles Sanders than, than most people. But I'll admit that I'm biased on that one. So I don't want to hear anybody wrong. admitting it. That's right. Yes, yes, you're yes, being so forthcoming about right. your so. your biases here. Uh, Erickson, any of those three are you trading Brian Robinson for? Again, that's James Conner, Brees Hall, Miles Sanders. No, I agree with Coop on Miles Sanders. That's the guy that I would probably – feel the best about getting in return for Brian Robinson because he has the pass game role. Like we've seen it for three straight weeks. Miles Sanders is catching balls out of the backfield. He had nine targets last week. I know Andy Dalton threw the ball 58 times, which isn't going to happen every single week, but they talked about Miles Sanders. He's going to be involved in passing game all off season. And what has he done through three weeks? Catch passes. Like I think he may have more, he may have already caught more passes than he all did last year. Like I haven't checked the numbers, but it wouldn't surprise me just based on the usage that he's gotten over the first three weeks. So for me, I would take Miles Sanders. I do prefer Robinson over James Connor just because James Connor is older and has an injury 
track record that I'm afraid is going to eventually catch up to him sooner rather than later. And Brees Hall for me is, look, I want to buy Brees Hall cheap and and stash him on my bench because I think in the second half of the season, when the Jets schedule gets easier, Brees Hall gets healthier, you're going to see this team just lean on Hall and just totally neutralize the other running backs. They're not going to use Cook. They're not going to use Carter. It's going to be the Brees Hall show. And I think Brees Hall could still be a league winner down the stretch once he gets healthy. But for right now, like you, you're you really not starting him with any sort of confidence just based on how bad this, the Jets' offense looks with Zach Wilson at quarterback. So Brees Hall, for me, it's still Brian Robinson's probably just too much because he has too much value right now where I want to buy Brees Hall probably for cheaper. Let's jump over to our buy low running backs here. You guys each sent me your top choice for buy low running backs, and we'll get to the sell high running backs after this. So Coop, I will start with you. Who is your number one buy low running back right now? Yeah, my buy low running back is Josh Jacobs, man. And when I look at these players, right, and everyone loves within the Twitter community to look at the advanced metrics. I I enjoy the machine learning stuff, the expected stuff, all those numbers, right? But that's usually what I use to make my decisions in Dynasty, my long-term plays. I go out and get the Tony Pollards of the world, you know, in Dynasty a couple of years ago because we're hoping that he's going to get the full role. Now that he has, he's awesome. But people were buying players like that in years they're competing and in redraft and opportunity is king at this position i look at josh jacobs he's got the full job himself and game script has has really crushed his team you've seen it with Devonte adams as well the first week they came out they only ran like 52 plays in week two they ran 40 offensive plays 40 the average in this league is like 65 and there were some teams so far this year that have run over 80 plays in games 84 85 and that's without overtime so if a team comes out and runs 40 offensive plays, that's that's like playing half a game. This week, we saw them go up to even close to an average number. And you saw what happened with Devontae Adams. You saw what happened with Jacoby Myers. You know, 20 targets, 12 targets. It's not going to happen like that every week. There's going to be weeks where this team is doing well, where they're moving the ball. And Josh Jacobs is an every down bell cow back. And we've seen what he can do last year. I think right now, he's a guy that, uh, if you look at where he, he's, he is in the standings, he's like a back-end RB2, and I think he could easily be an RB1 again. So Josh Jacobs is the guy that I'm trying to scoop up. Erickson, you made your pick of these, and then you tried to switch it to Jacobs, and then I informed you that Coop had already picked Jacobs, (laughs) so you switched back to your original guy. But before we get to your guy, Erickson, uh, you can share some thoughts on Jacobs as well. (laughs) Well, I mean, because Jacobs is definitely the best by low running back like Coop hit the nail on the head, and I hadn't done my Jacobs like deep dive until I did the sheet, and I... You know, I'm a fraud for it, but I, I couldn't agree more with that take because just look at what Josh Jacobs did last year. His stat line looks almost exactly the same through the first three weeks. Pretty good usage, a lot of carries, not great efficiency, no touchdowns. And then week four last year, he just blows up and then the rest is history. And Josh Jacobs was a league winner basically from week four onward. So I think that after missing training camp, not surprising that it seemed like he's getting back into shape slow start. So for me, I think, yeah, Josh Jacobs, just based on the fact that they're not using any other running backs in this backfield. Like they're literally using no one. And who are they playing in week four? The chargers. Like this is like the, the dream spot for Josh Jacobs to bounce back and have a massive game. So I think that if you need a RB one, like Josh Jacobs is definitely the guy to go after. But um, the other player that I put in first before I did dove deep onto Josh Jacobs is Ramondre Stevenson. Now I want to pose a question to you guys. Where do you think Ramondre Stevenson ranks in terms of total touches so far through three weeks? Hmm. I don't know that I even have a guess. Yeah, it's probably still it's probably still pretty high, right? Is it not? So like t- I would top say 10, top, top twenty, top, top, top twelve. Yeah, I, I was gonna say twelve as well. Okay, he's sixth. Hmm. He has eighteen plus touches in three straight games. But the way that people talk about Ramondre Stevenson, oh well, Zeke Elliott's taking his job. Oh, Zeke yeah. looks great. Oh, he looks better. It's like. No, that's like not the case of whatsoever. You know, rewatching this Patriots Jets game, it's like, yeah, they're going to give the ball to Zeke because they're grinding out clock in the fourth quarter. Like that's really more of Zeke's role in this offense. How many games are the Patriots going to be up on a team in the fourth quarter? Please someone explain that to me because it's not going to happen with their schedule. Like what we saw for weeks one and two is really more what Patriots games are going to look like versus when they're playing the Jets and they can actually control the clock and control offensive pace of play so for me Ramondre Stevenson again sixth in touches through three weeks this is what we wanted to see he just hasn't ripped off these massive efficiency games because 
it's been tough matchups. Like the Eagles, good defense. He was efficient against the Dolphins, but that's when he had his best game. Okay, great. And then last week against the Jets. Again, another good defense. Now he's facing Dallas this week. How do you beat Dallas? Run game. And if they're not beating through the run game, what's going to be happening? Mac Jones, get the ball out quick. Throw it to Ramondre Stevenson, who still has the dominating role as a receiver in the Patriots' backfield. So although people are putting waivers in to pick up Ezekiel Elliott in this revenge game against the Dallas Cowboys, like, don't do that. Like, yeah. Zeke Elliott's like my last ranked running back that I want to add off waivers this week. I'll be totally honest. And maybe they give him a pity touchdown because he's playing Dallas. Oh, we got to get Zeke to score. Whatever. Ramondre's going to be way more involved if this game gets out of hand and Dallas is up. It's going to be Stevenson out of the backfield, catching passes, 18 touches per game the last three weeks. That's what we want from our bell cow backs. So I think Stevenson's a sharp buy low guy with all the, you know, shine on Ezekiel Elliott because he had uh, a bunch of carries, had more yards than Ramondre. And Ramondre hasn't had that really big game yet, which I think is going to be coming when the Patriots are facing some negative game scripts um, with their upcoming schedule and just their schedule overall, just very, very tough. It, it might not be that negative of a game script if uh, the Cowboys play anything like they did against the Cardinals. That's uh, maybe not as much of an obvious game script as we expected. If you guys are anything like me, fall is unquestionably your favorite season. There's nothing I love more than seeing the colors change and feeling that crisp autumn breeze. It just feels like football. I love fall camping, going to games, pretty much any outdoor activity this time of year. And the only thing better is spending fall outside with friends and with beers, but not just any beer, Miller Lite, the 96-calorie beer that tastes like beer and is perfectly brewed for everything summer and fall have to offer. In fact, I just went camping with some friends the other weekend, so you know we had to pack the travel coolers full of Miller Lights, sitting around the fire that night, swapping stories and inside jokes, all while cracking open another Miller Lite. It's heaven, whether you're spending evenings around a backyard fire pit, enjoying a football game with pals, or sharing laughter amidst the rustle of falling leaves, live those autumn moments with Miller Lite. With a Miller Lite in your hand, fall doesn't just taste great. It tastes like Miller time. To get Miller Lite delivered right to your door, visit MillerLite.com slash FantasyPros. That's MillerLite.com slash FantasyPros. Or you can find it pretty much anywhere that sells beer. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, 96 calories and 3.2 carbs per 12 ounces. Guys, let's get to our sell high running backs here. Coop, who you got? Yeah, for me, I am looking to move on from Kenneth Walker. And it sounds crazy because he's been the boss so far, man. Just had two touchdowns this week. But those are the games where I like to sell. We say it all offseason. It's funny. All offseason, we sit here and we say touchdowns are fluky. We're not going to chase touchdowns. And then two weeks in, what do we do? We look at, you know, Jake Ferguson getting a couple of red zone targets. And we're like, I have to have him. He's my guy, right? So you look at Kenneth Walker coming off these two touchdowns. and People are going to be clamoring for it, right? Especially in your hometown league, the guys that uh, aren't really digging into the numbers. But quietly behind the scenes, Zach Charbonnet is playing more and more, right? And we talk about those high leverage situations. This week, he actually clawed away an incredibly important one, the two-minute drill, right? He got every two-minute drill snap this week. If that is now his job, you get all... As I said earlier, you get all those snaps. If you get one, you get them all. You don't have time to substitute guys out during the two-minute drill. And the reason it's so hard for rookies to get it is because you need to know the entire pass blocking scheme. You need to know all the audibles, right? Because if they're changing the play at the line and you don't know all the plays, then you're going to be in big trouble. You're going to get yanked out of there. He could lose that job, but the fact that he's already taken it is a kind of a bad sign for, for Kenneth Walker. So for me, if I could take Kenneth Walker right now, what he is, where he's, you know, a high-end RB1, it looks like, and trade him for, uh, you know, a super high-end RB1, package him up with somebody else to get like McCaffrey or something, or even if I need a little help, trade down for a guy like Miles Sanders plus something where I think at the end of the day, it's not going to be a huge difference. I'm almost getting a guy for free. That's what I'm looking to do. I mean, there's nothing – I'm not saying Ken Walker's a bad player. We think he's a good player. Just sometimes these teams realize, wait a second, we have two good players. Let's use them both. And I think that might be happening in Seattle. Erickson, before we get to yours, I do want to get your opinion on Walker because he's a guy that I don't think we've maybe talked about enough on all of our shows throughout the weeks here to start the season. So quickly, Erickson, what do you think about Walker? I think he's more of a hold for me right now because he's playing the Giants this week. So it's like, I mean, <laughs> he could be in line for another big game. So I'm like, man, up, yeah. I don't know if I want to move him. And then they have a bye week. So you can look at it as, okay, I'm not going to have him for the bye week. But the thing with Seattle right now is their offensive line is so hurt. Like they're going to get healthy. 
So I don't know if I really want to move Ken Walker because, okay, maybe the touchdowns don't sustain, but he's still getting a lot of carries. He's still getting pass game usage outside the two-minute drill. So for me, he's probably still a hold player. We did see Charbonnet's role increase, but that didn't come at a lack of volume for Ken Walker. Like They're still using him a lot, and he's cashing in on the touchdown regression that he was going to be getting this year. Like last year, he was so bad in the red zone. Like he didn't score at all. And this year, you're starting to see that positive regression kind of kick in where now he's scoring red zone touchdowns left and right. Like I don't, that's not a fluke that he's doing that because he's still seeing that red zone role. So yeah, it's not great that Charbonnet's taken over more of the two minute drill, but if Walker's still getting the goal line touches, like I will still value that probably over, you know, an elite usage where he's also being the two minute drill. So for me, he's still a hold. And who's your sell high running back? Alexander Madison. Oh my God. Alexander Madison. Sell, 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 sell. We didn't want you to draft him. And then he finally had a, a decent week in week three, which I mean, it could have been disastrous for Alexander Madison. Like he's dropping passes in the red zone. He's fumbling the ball, even though they overturned it. But for me, look, this team had no reason to bring in Cam Akers. They didn't have to do it. I know they basically traded nothing for him, but they still brought in another running back because they weren't happy with what they got from Alexander Madison during the first two weeks of the season. So again, Madison was good in week three from a statistical standpoint. We just look at the box score. He played a lot of, he played a very high percentage of the snaps. Ty Chandler's not that guy. Like Ty Chandler's not going to be eating into Madison's workload anytime soon. We've seen it for three straight weeks. Like they haven't used him in any capacity, but Cam Akers, has chemistry with Kevin O'Connell. Dates back to their days with the Rams when Cam Akers was a bell cow at points. So the fact that he's now joined the roster, that's added competition for Alexander Madison, who really through three weeks has underwhelmed, in my opinion. So I think that Madison is someone that I would like to sell off a big game for his standards, <laughs> even though he has struggled, I think, more than people would want to admit, especially people that drafted him highly, thinking that he would just be the guy for this backfield long-term. I'm a little bit skeptical of that. And when you're 0-3 as a team, coaches shake things up. Like, they're 0-3 for a reason because things haven't been working. So what do you do? You make changes. I, it would not surprise me at all if we start to see K-Makers work in a little bit more. Again, wasn't active this week because he just got traded. But I, I would not be surprised if K-Makers takes over this backfield. And I know people will point to, oh, well, his success rate sucks. He's not good. Well, he's in a different offense now. Like, it's totally different. And it's not about how good he is, but how much better is he than Alexander Madison? You know, people drafted Madison because he was the best of the worst backfield. Well, now how much better is he than Cam Akers remains to be seen. And I'm not too confident that he is that much better, if at all, than Cam Akers is. So for me, I would just kind of like wipe my hands clean of, of Alexander Madison after he had his best game of the year in week three. Wide receivers. We will jump right in here with those most traded wide receivers. Number one on the list is Jordan Addison, rookie from the Minnesota Vikings. So, Coop, I will start with you. Buying, selling, or holding on Jordan Addison right now? This is the exact kind of guy that you buy. You buy this guy because he, even though he's getting the targets he is and he looks as good as he does, he actually hasn't been fully unlocked just yet. Like, when you look at rookies, a lot of times they don't pop right away, and we say it, but... When you go in and pick the individual examples, look at Amon Ross St. Brown. He was useless for six weeks, his rookie year, before things changed. You know, they switched over to Ben Johnson. His role changed. He really popped off. Look at Odell Beckham Jr. He was hurt, came in, started slow, crushed. Mike Evans even started slow as a rookie, even though he was a first high-end first-round pick, crushed, right? Jordan Addison right now, he's still behind KJ Osborne in snaps, and it doesn't even matter. He's just a better player. He's getting more targets already. And because this team paid Josh Oliver an ungodly sum of money for some reason. And because they use CJ Ham, they consolidate the targets among the top couple guys. So the moment that actually does flip and they finally just say, hey, you know what? You're going to just play more snaps than KJ Osborne, which has not happened in a game yet. That's when it's fully wheels up for Jordan Addison. And God forbid anything happens to Justin Jefferson or TJ Hawkinson, because look at the targets those guys get. If those go back into the pool, Jordan Addison is going to get an absurd number of them. So he's basically a, you know, double handcuff plus has standalone value and could just flip the script with KJ Osborne and become a high end guy right from the rip. So right now, you know, Addison, I already have a lot of them, but I'm looking to get more. 
Yeah, you mentioned the guys, you know, first round picks who started slow and then were league winners. His teammate, Justin Jefferson, it was the same thing. It was like week three on. He was the best wide receiver that year, essentially. And uh, but those first couple weeks, he did nothing. So we've seen it on this team before. Erickson, what do you think? Buying, selling or holding? Uh, Also buying Jordan Addison. I think that even though he had a quiet week three, ran a route on 80% of the dropbacks. Like his route participation has just increased a little by a little every single week. So they're getting him more involved. And as I mentioned before, this Vikings team is 0-3. Going to shake things up. Like you got to change things. If things aren't working, you're not winning games. And oh, what do you know? Like let's get our first round pick more snaps. Seems like a logical thing to do when your team is 0-3. So yeah, I definitely want to buy Addison as well. Yeah, uh, a clean sweep for whatever it's worth. I also am buying and and like Coop, I have him in a lot of places already, but I would love to have more. Uh, I'm a huge fan. Um, So we're going to do some sort of player comps here. Would you trade this person for Jordan Addison or Jordan Addison for this person? Um, These are roughly along the same rankings as where these guys are in their rest of season rankings. Um, But again, when we're kind of all in the consensus of we're all buying, I tend to assume we're going to say yes to all these, or I guess rather no for all these because of the way we're asking the question. But would you guys trade Jordan Addison for Gabe Davis, Coop? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Gabe Davis, I, w- I was shocked that the Bills didn't go out and get another wide receiver because to me, Gabe Davis feels like the the perfect next man up, like the fourth wide receiver on your team, but like a Zach Pascal even. I mean, that's his best comparable player on player profiler. I'm, I was just shocked that they didn't go out and get somebody. They did trade trade up for Dalton Kincaid, but they're not really using him the way they that I think they should. So yeah, Gabe Davis is an easy trade for me for Addison. How about Nico Collins? So I, I can, a little foreshadowing here, but yeah. Nico Collins is actually my sell high wide receiver. So I'll, we can get into Good. Nico when we get to that segment, right? Easy pick for you here. And then George Pickens? Yeah, I mean, Pickens, he's exciting player, fun player, but I tr- I just trust Kirk Cousins more than I trust Kenny Pickett, right? And Deontay Johnson is going to come back at a certain point, and that's a guy that's gotten 140-plus targets three years in a row. I don't think that just goes away. So Pickett, I would move Pickens for Addison. Erickson, any of those three, Gabe Davis, Nico Collins, George Pickens, or are you taking Addison ahead of all of them? I'm taking Addison probably ahead of all of them. I think that Pickens is probably the closest guy for me just because I, I've liked what I've seen so far with him as the wide receiver one in the offense. But like Coop mentioned, you know, Deontay Johnson is probably going to come back after their team's bye week in week six. And then is Pickens now descending? Like, is he now a depreciating asset? Whereas we're talking about Addison, it's all about the future. Like, it's all about reaping the rewards when it matters most, especially if there's an injury to one of the top guys in Minnesota, you're going to see Addison just absolutely blow up, especially with these rookies. Rookie receivers tend to hit later on in the season anyway when you're winning your fantasy league championships versus George Pickens, who has probably more value now, I would say. But down the line, it may not be the case. So again, if I'm like hurting at like 0-3, I probably want to keep Pickens just because he's a wide receiver one right now. But if I feel good about my roster and I can afford to sacrifice some early value for some long-term value down the line, I I think I'd probably want Addison. If you guys want the upper hand in every trade, you need to check out our trade analyzer at fantasypros.com slash myplaybook or on the Fantasy Football My Playbook app. Instantly see who wins any trade and how it shifts the balance of power in your league for the week, rest of the season, and even beyond for Dynasty Leaguers. Stay ahead and play smart with the trade analyzer on fantasypros.com slash myplaybook and on the Fantasy Football My Playbook app. Guys, let's get to the other rookie wide receiver that's getting traded a lot right now, and that's Zay Flowers. So, Erickson, I'll start with you this time. Buying, selling, or holding on Zay? Can you can you buy Zay Flowers? Like, I, I didn't. I mean, I will be first one in line at the Pe- flower people shop. People are to get trading some Zay him. He's, he's, <laughs> he's high on the list of most traded receivers, so it is happening. Wow. Yeah, I mean, if if I'm definitely buying Zay Flowers, like I don't know what else you've wanted to see from a rookie wide receiver drafted in the first round, except go out and have a thirty percent plus target share in his first three games. Like this is who they're trying to get the ball to in any which way they can. I know week three wasn't in love with the usage because it was just so much underneath stuff and flowers just didn't have that marquee. Oh, he broke off a tackle and ripped off a 20 yard run. He was just kind of contained by the Colts defense. Give them some credit. They were tackling Zay flowers and they just weren't pushing the ball downfield, whether that's because of the injuries, because of the weather. I mean, flowers can go downfield. We saw it in week two when he made a great downfield catch. So he can win, I think in all phases of the game as a receiver and this was the the theory going in. Rashad Bateman, 
Oh, Odell Beckham Jr. Guys can't stay healthy. Oh, what do you know? They're both already hurt. Like, <laughs> like it's week three, guys. Like, and they're all hurt already. So I don't envision them really having big roles or being a thorn in the side of Zay Flowers. You like that pun there? Very, very good. So that, I think that, that Flowers good. is uh, <laughs> is just a great buy. And over a lot of other veteran players that we think we know who they are, Zay Flowers is still a guy that we haven't even potentially seen his ceiling. Like the Ravens offense is still kind of figuring things out, as we mentioned, still injured, especially on the cross of the offensive line. So once they get cooking, I think Flowers is just going to increase in value. So I think that buying a first-round rookie receiver that's had a 30% target share over the first three weeks is just good process because I think things are just going to get better as the season progresses. So what do you think, Coop? Do you also have a rosy outlook on flowers? <laughs> stop. You guys need to stop right now. <laughs> Cut that out right now. Uh, but no, I I am down to to buy flowers, in, especially in full PPR. That's the thing for me. Uh, you, you, know, you mentioned that he can go downfield and he will go downfield, but he is a low ADOT guy so far. I think his ADOT is like five. And it's not going to be five on the season. That's that's crazy low but i don't know if it's going to be like 13 like some of these other guys so i look at the format and make some of those decisions in full ppr you go out and snag them anywhere i don't play standard but if you do play standard these are the guys that in those particular formats aren't aren't amazing but uh, if you do play standard i would suggest to cut that out as well uh so uh in full ppr i'm fully in half ppr he's probably more of a hold for me Okay, so would you, we got some bigger names here than for the Addison segment. So would you trade any of these guys for Zay Flowers? Would you trade Tyler Lockett for Zay Flowers, Coop? Ooh, so that so that is a tough one because right now Tyler Lockett has a great role, but there is always the risk that that Jackson Smith and Jigba pops out and and he he flips it, you know, and he becomes the full time guy. I think it's gonna JSN. I comp to more of a Chris Godwin, where that's the career trajectory I have for him as. Tyler Lockett ages out. And I think it's, I think it's Tyler Lockett's birthday on Thursday. So he'll be 31 in two, two days from this. But uh, for now, I think I'm still sticking with Tyler Lockett, but I can be swayed. If one of you guys has an argument, I know you're a Ravens fan and Erickson, you sound like you're pretty high. So <laughs> what do you think? What do you guys say? Would you, would you go Lockett or flowers? That one. So that is one that I would say is very format specific as well. Whereas if it's full PPR, I might go flowers, anything else I might go Lockett. Yeah, I, I would go Flowers just because I have way more confidence in him being the top target in his offense. Because um, he's, you know, even with Mark Andrews he coming is, back he, from after he week is one, the top yes, target. He's, yeah, he he's is been the top even target. with Andrews back. So, but what do you think, Erickson? No, I'm, I'm from the Jose Flowers side. I think that just betting on the youth makes more sense. Again, Tyler Lockett's going to turn 31 years old. Like, is he going? Is his outlook going to be better or worse as we progress through the season? As they start to get these rookies amped up more. Jackson Smith and Jigba is going to have a bigger role as the season goes on. Like they have their an early bye week that we talked about in week five. We usually see this every single time with, with coaches and, and offenses. They involve the rookies after their bye weeks. Like, Hey, we've got to get JSN more involved. Like we're going to hear reports about that coming out of Seahawks camp. I can almost guarantee it. And Lockett this year through three weeks, he leads the team in targets, but he has 103 receiving yards. Like that's it. Like DK Metcalf has 234 on less targets. Like besides the Lockett's two touchdown game in week two, he really hasn't done that much. So are we starting to see the age creep in a little bit here where he isn't as efficient as he's been in past years? And I, I think I don't think that's shocking. Like he's getting older as a receiver. And if JSN is pushing him, then you could see Lockett as someone that's depreciating where Zay Flowers, I think, is a guy that's just going to increase in value as the season progresses. So I want to be chasing that tailwind and not being held back by a guy like Lockett. Just Dude. never, never uh, underestimate Pete Carroll's ability to just stick with his guys irrationally no matter what yeah. right like i've seen chris carson fumble four times in three <laughs> games and and i think his snap share went up the following yeah. so that's uh your very rational <laughs> argument about the most gum chewing butt slapping irrational <laughs> players coach i think i've ever seen so that's the one that's the one yeah. caveat on that one there so a uh, couple other receivers I want to ask you guys about here would you trade christian watson for zay flowers obviously we, we haven't seen one of these guys in the field coop for me, I mean, just the fact that right now in a vacuum, you can call it even at best. Like I can't put Christian Watson ahead of Zay Flowers regardless right now. And Watson's dealing with a hamstring, which is the scariest injury for wide receivers. It's you know a huge bundle of muscles that can be hurt in a million different ways. And we never, never really know what's going on. Uh, so for me, I couldn't possibly move a guy like Zay Flowers with his target share for a guy who's dealing with this injury and coming into, you know, we, we like the player and we like the quarterback, but we still don't know for sure 
how it's all going to shake out. So for me, Zay Flowers as the target leader, you have to just keep him. Or or if if you can move Watson for Flowers right now, I would do that. Yeah. And then how about this last one here, Coop? Michael Pittman, would you trade him for Zay Flowers? See, I love Michael Pittman. And again, this one might boil down to format, but Michael Pittman is a guy. He led the entire league in uh, wide receiver snap share last year with like 98. This guy, whatever, he plays every play. This week they played 84 plays. Guess how many plays he played? Guess, you know, yeah. <laughs> so, you know what I mean? Like he's just out there every single play. He's locked in as the number one dog. So uh, I think Pittman, de- again, format specific for me, Pittman, he runs higher dot routes. He's out there every single play. He's the top wide receiver on his team. So I'd probably go with him in standard or half. But I mean, in, in full PPR, Zay Flowers really could be an Amon Ross St. Brown type guy if his target share holds because Amon Ross St. Brown Look at what he's accomplished. His his ADOT in both his first two years, only seven yards. Only seven yards. And he still went out and was a wide receiver one. So ADOT's not the end of the world, especially in full PPR. So I think you got to go Flowers there. Erickson, what do you think about those last two names? Christian Watson, Michael Pittman, either of those guys, are you trading for Zay Flowers? No, the Pittman one's probably the closest one for me. And I think that if you were playing in a half PPR, I think it may be slight edge towards Pittman. But I think that all things being equal, I think I still want Flowers. He's the better quarterback. I mean, one of them has Lamar Jackson. And I, I love Anthony Richardson. I think he's shown a lot already just in two weeks of play. Um, but I think Lamar is still way ahead of him as a passer. And I think that just makes Jose Flowers potentially have a higher ceiling. And I do like Josh Downs too. Like Josh Downs has showed a decent amount as a rookie in himself in the Colts offense. Whereas Baltimore, look, these other receivers are just, they're already hurt. And I just don't think they're going to have bigger roles. Even though Mark Andrews is still there. I think Zay Flowers is still the guy for Lamar Jackson. I would I love to see, uh, sorry. I was just going to say, I would love to see Josh Downs get the Keenan Allen treatment or the Cooper cup treatment where it's Alec Pierce coming out for two wide receiver sets. Then it would be wheels up, man. I, Dude, Alec, Alec Pierce has got to get his cardio in, though, dude. Right, yeah, get exactly. the All exercise team, man. Yeah, yeah, he's just the out there in. hanging out, dude. Yeah. He, he's another dude that played. played he, in week two, he played every snap. And I, I don't know, man. Yeah, I was going to say just on downs, you know, I watched every snap of that game, obviously, and he was the guy I felt like they were looking at on third down even more so than Pitt. Pittman had some big plays. He's obviously really, really good. But downs was a guy that they seemed to trust, you know, pretty quickly into his career here. Uh, let's get to our buy low wide receivers and Coop, we'll start with you. Yeah. So for me, I am buying Jalen Waddle. If you can get him, I know that people are looking at the the Dolphins offense, which he didn't play this week. So he wasn't part of that explosion, but they're looking at the Dolphins offense and they want pieces of it. I think the folks looking at Waddle, they might be saying, okay, you know, Tyree kills the top guy there. They got all these other weapons. Uh, you might be able to pry him away. And a guy like Waddle, what people don't realize with this offense is that you definitely don't have to be the top dog because of the way it's set up. You look at the 49ers, right? How much they use Kyle Juszczyk. They use it for literally half the game. That means there's no wide receiver three that plays even close to a consistent snap share, highly consolidates the targets among the two wide receivers in the tight end. This Dolphins team literally is the same offense. It's the same coaching tree. They, they went over there. The very first thing they did was get the two most important players to that scheme, right? You have Kyle Juszczyk in San Francisco and you have Trent Williams, the left tackle. They went out and paid for the high, the most expensive tackle you could get on the market in Toronto Armstead. And they brought in Alec Ingold to play fullback. The moment you get that fullback in there, it consolidates the snaps on the top two wideouts. It's going to be Tyreek Hill. It's going to be Jalen Waddle. And when McDaniels got there, we talk about ADOT. Jalen Waddle had a seven yard ADOT as a rookie. His second year jumped up to 13. He's a full outside flanker now and the ceiling for this guy is tremendous so if i can go out and get him for not even buy low but what his original cost was like he, he always i was taking him in the second round and if i could take a second round caliber guy and and, and swap right now for him i'm doing that so give me all just, the waddle give me all the pieces of this dolphins team i, I was again. gonna say I just think, utterly absurd that they scored 70 points crazy. and didn't even have one of their elite wide receivers on the field yes. i don't know if that says more about uh miami or denver probably a bit of both um yeah erickson i assume you're still high on waddle also yeah i mean there's like maybe 10 receivers i would take over waddle like rest of season and everyone else i'm like straight up i'd take waddle like over yeah. the basically the wide receiver one tier because he's just like it's weird because he's being overshadowed by basically every other dolphins player but 
you know, during the season and draft season, you could have argued that Jalen Waddle could have been the highest scoring Miami Dolphins player in fantasy. And I would have been like, I can see that happening. And because it hasn't happened yet, I think that, you know, he's just not top of mind. Everyone wants every other Dolphin except Jalen Waddle when that's the reason to buy and strike a, a strike a deal now. Yeah, I'm so excited for that game this week, by the way. <laughs> Dolphins Bills is going to be awesome. Uh, Eric, so give me your buy low receiver. So for me, it's uh, going to the Jaguars offense, Calvin Ridley. Um, after week one, the victory laps were out. He burned a bunch of Colts DBs that were basically the worst in the NFL. And then after these next two weeks, it's like, mm, wait, so was were we right about Calvin Ridley? Like, is he back? Like, because he has sucked the last two weeks. Like, point blank, he's dropping passes, dropping touchdowns, not reliable. And I think that's had to do with, like, Jacksonville's offense just struggling in general, just not consistent. You know, Doug Peterson in the postgame press conference and they lost to the Texans just really stride about, like, not being consistent enough on offense, like too many missed opportunities, self-inflicted wounds. And if you just watch the games, it's like, dude, Ridley's not playing well. Like he hasn't been playing well the last two weeks, but the opportunity is still there for him. And Mayor, I never really thought, you know, I ranked Calvin really kind of outside my wide receiver one tier just because I wasn't sure like if he was going to be rusty. And I think that's kind of what we've seen the last couple of weeks. He just like came out week one, guns blazing, but then he kind of settled back down a little bit. Jag- the Jaguars are at offense to, is tough to parse through because they have so many weapons. But when you have bad games, you usually want to buy a low on these receivers because we know he has a good quarterback. We know he's a good matchup this week. He's playing the Atlanta Falcons, the team that he drafted him. Like, this is going to be an emotional game, I think, for Calvin Ridley, playing against his old team in London. If you guys remember, when Calvin Ridley first left the the Falcons, it was before a London trip. Like, so that was basically right before he abandoned, or I shouldn't say abandoned the team. He left the team. It was excused from the team. So I think that he's in store for a big game here, and this is when you want to buy low on Calvin Ridley because he still has a high target share in the Jaguars offense. We know that he has a good quarterback in Trevor Lawrence, and we've seen his upside um, as a wide receiver one. So I think that Calvin Ridley right now, you know, he was someone I was always very price sensitive to in draft season. Like if he was going in the second round, I was like, no, it's too expensive for me. But he was someone that I did like when he was out of value, and I'm kind of following a similar approach here with him in the trade market where. I've gotten some questions in the Discord about like, is it start to, is it time to start panicking about Calvin Ridley? So for me, that's like, okay, there may be a buying window with back-to-back bad weeks when he's had the opportunities to really be a better player, but he's been dropping touchdowns, dropping first downs. I think that the Jaguars get right on offense this week. Doug Peterson retaking over play calling duties. I think they're going to get Ridley going. And I think this is a good opportunity to buy low on the Jaguars wide receiver one. Koopa, I want to get your opinion here just quickly on Ridley because I think he is such an interesting player to try to evaluate rest of season given all the offseason talk and the questions about Russ and how good he looked in week one, like Erickson alluded to, and how bad he's looked since then. So what do you make of Ridley right now? Yeah, I mean, and Erickson summed it up perfectly here where you think about when you're training for high-end guys, you want as few variables as possible. When you're training for low-end guys, you kind of want variables. You want like, hey, you know what? what what's going to happen? Something crazy might happen. With this guy, you go through the list and say, okay. Like some of the other guys in the league, take DJ Moore, for instance. Look at DJ Moore and you say, is the quarter is there quarterback trouble here? Is, is there an actual quarterback problem? And the answer is yes. That's a variable. With this team, nobody looks at Trevor Lawrence and says, hey, maybe this guy isn't good. Right. Like maybe this guy can't deliver the football. We all like Trevor Lawrence. Right. You look at it and you say, oh, well, maybe there's another player coming back. Like you see with the the, the Packers guys, I might be hesitant to grab them because Christian Watson's, Watson's coming back. Zay Jones is not a threat to be the best wide receiver on this team. He was never a threat to to take more snaps. Right. So like Ridley is the top dog for what we consider to be a top passing quarterback in this league. And you can get him after coming off a really strange week against a Texans team that always kind of has the Jaguars number. Right. So uh, the, there are there are really no variables there where we can say things might just go south for this guy. I think it's it is a true buy low because everything is still right and there are good games coming. Erickson, I actually want to start with you on the sell highs because you're staying with this team. Yep. Um, selling high on Christian Kirk because he got the touchdown last week, but still like really underwhelming overall when Zay Jones didn't play. Like, so the last two games that Kirk has played where he's been more involved in the offense, Zay Jones has either missed parts of the game or not played at all. But last week, Christian Kirk had a 15% target share and Zay Jones didn't even play. So where Zay Jones, I don't think is impacting Calvin Ridley that much. I think that his presence does impact a player 
like Christian Kirk, who is more of a beta receiver, a slot player, a possession receiver that can come off the field when the team decides, hey, we want to run the ball a lot. We're going to use two tight end sets. Christian Kirk's not on the field. Like that's what happened in week one. So again, I think that a lot of these Jaguars players are going to be volatile just because there are so many weapons. And they also use Evan Ingram a lot in the offense. But Calvin Ridley, I feel most, I feel most confident about his role in the offense and him being on the field the most, running the most routes and seeing high value targets from Trevor Lawrence, like in the red zone. Whereas Christian Kirk, I, I'm not confident that his role is going to be steady week to week. It's been a it's been a roller coaster through three weeks. And like that's not going to create consistent fantasy production. So you know, in certain matchups, okay, he's going to pop, but in other games, like he's not going to be the featured piece or be the game plan. Like, think about it. He's been most involved the last two weeks, and the Jaguars offense has sucked. So, so so why would they go back to like, all right, we gotta get Christian Kirk more involved in the offense because that's gonna get our offense cooking wrong like that has not been the case whatsoever it's really been when they've been using Travis Etienne that's when the offense has looked good and back in week one when they were feeding Calvin Ridley and he was being productive like that's when you saw this offense at its peak production so that's what I kind of expect to happen here especially with Zay Jones getting back I think that he does impact Christian Kirk to an extent which is why we probably should sell off Christian Kirk I don't know what the market views with the Jaguars receivers right now whether it's like oh Kirk over Ridley now like after two weeks like I don't know where it stands um but I would be interested to see like how high you can sell Christian Kirk and how low you can buy on Calvin Ridley after two disappointing weeks. Coop, you teased it earlier, and now we will get to your Nico Collins hate. <laughs> hate is such a strong word. I, 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 the, funny, the funny thing is, I actually love Nico Collins in Dynasty. Dynasty is where I'm I'm not trading him. I liked him from the start. My comp for him was Kenny Galladay, right? Kenny, Kenny, and you know, people might say, oh, Kenny Galladay sucks, but there was a time where Kenny Galladay was actually awesome. Right? He had a thousand yards and double digit touchdowns you know the kids these days might not remember back that far yeah. but uh he was good with a good quarterback and i think neil collins as the quarterback play improves will be a good player i mean uh kenny galladay 6'4 218 ran a 4-5 flat and was picked 96 overall nico collins 6'4 215 4-5 flat pick 89 i mean there's a lot of uh it, it lines up pretty well there the thing is this team so far, the scripts have been huge in their favor for passing. And honestly, the time to sell high might have been last week because the cat kind of came out of the bag this week a little bit. But you look at this team, 59 dropbacks week one, week two, 57. Through the first two weeks, 109 dropbacks, that's literally double what the Raiders had. The Raiders had 54 for, through the first two weeks. Like, so it's as if they played four games to only two for the Raiders. That's why I was buying Devontae Adams and, and Josh Jacobs. This week, they come out, they only have 31 dropbacks. That's actually pretty normal, right? Uh, you know, have 31 dropbacks and throw 25, 28 times or whatever it is. That's a normal game script. And in that game script, you saw them spread the ball around a little bit more. It wasn't it wasn't just Nico Collins. I mean, it never was just Nico Collins. Week one, he got 10 targets, but Robert Woods also got double-digit targets. And with this team, it's the same offense they were, that I talked about earlier, that the 49ers run, that the Dolphins run, Bobby Slowick. And D'Amico Ryan's come from over there. They use fullback Andrew Beck. He played 28 snaps this week. And shout out Andrew Beck, the kick return touchdown. I mean, that's like what you dream about when you're a fullback. Yeah. Like you're sitting there on, <laughs> right? You're sitting there on uh, the, the kickoff team, the kick return team. And in your mind, you're like, what if it comes to me and I just run it all the way to the house, right? Like <laughs> for that to actually happen, that's literal dream come true stuff. But uh, the problem when you use that fullback, is now you're only using two wide receivers because you're not taking the running back out. You're not taking the tight end out when the fullback comes in. You're taking a wide receiver out. So if Robert Woods is going to lead this team in snaps like he did last week, if Tank Dell is going to be more of a factor as we've seen lately, I mean, Tank Dell's been, he looks pretty awesome, you know? So it, it could potentially hurt Neil Collins. Now, I'm not saying go out and tr and just sell Neil Collins for anything, but he, right now he's like in the wide receiver one range. And if you can turn around, and get a Calvin Ridley for Nico Collins plus a little something, then I think you gotta you gotta consider those moves because they're not gonna throw 50 times a week. I mean, they even said that CJ Stroud's now on some sort of arm program where they don't have him throwing during practice because he threw so much over the first couple of weeks. That right there tells you that what they were doing is not normal, right? If if the quarterback's arm hurts from doing his job. That means they've been throwing too much, and I, I just don't think it's sustainable. They're going to have those weeks, but it can't be every week, as we saw this week when you know they clearly just played a normal football game for once. 
I have never felt older than you suggesting that the kids might not remember good Kenny Galladay. He <laughs> was good in like 2019. That was only four seasons ago. Uh, so Fo- thank you football for that. Years, football years, that's forever ago, my boy. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's true. Listener mailbag. Let's actually get to our first listener question here. Uh, is about Nico Collins. Uh, RG asks, should he drop Nico Collins for Tank Dell or just ride out Nico? So, Coop, which receiver in you know this Texans offense would you rather have of the two? Okay, so again, I'm going to admit a bias of mine here. So i got to put the caveat on this one, and I would love to hear what you guys think. But for me, if I can have a – and this is an old-school football thought process, but like if I can have a full-time split end, a guy who's 6'4", has that full-time role on the outside with his foot tethered to the line, not coming off the field, versus a guy who's 5'8", and is even if most of the plays he comes out for are going to be run plays, two tight end set type plays, if that guy's coming out. I mean, if you're sitting down there in the goal line, who are you going to have out there with your jumbo package if you can only bring two guys with you? Is it going to be Nico Collins and Robert Woods, or is it going to be Tiny little Tank Dell. And I think for the time being, Tank Dell is going to be the odd man out for that stuff, even though he is fun and explosive and all that. Uh, so for me, it's still Nico over Tank. Yeah, Tank Dell is awesome, but I am with you on Nico Erickson. What do you think? I love Nico too, but I, I think I'm, I'm going Tank Dell. Um, there it is. And my reason for that is because we've seen Tank Dell basically have two games where he's had a full-time role because week one, he was playing behind Noah Brown, who went on IR. Um, and he's been the target leader. The last two weeks, he's ran more routes than Nico Collins the last two weeks, and he's been productive the last two weeks, like as a full-time player. So as a rookie receiver in his first two games, like Nico Collins, it seemed like he was breaking out, but again, this is year three for Nico Collins. And he's like starting to finally break out. Tank Dell already broke out in two, in two games, like his first two games. So when I'm looking at, okay, like potential ceilings here, I think Tank Dell like may have a super high ceiling in this offense considering what he's already done in his first two NFL games or his first three NFL games. The sample size is phenomenal. Whereas Nico Collins has been around for a while and now we're just starting to suddenly see him hit. Now maybe it's because he has a quarterback. Like I like both these guys, honestly. Like I'd like to keep both of them on my roster because like trying to parse between which receiver is going to go out this week is also based a lot on defensive matchup. Like if it's a strong perimeter cornerback, then Nico Collins is not going to have that great of a day. Like, and that's going to happen with some of these matchups upcoming. Like, he has to play the Saints in three weeks. He's going to get Lattimore. Like, that's not a great matchup for him. Against the Falcons, A.J. Terrell, not a great matchup. But this week, he's playing the Steelers. They don't have any strong perimeter cornerbacks that I'm afraid of. So, Nico Collins could bounce back. But just going to the point, like, when these rookies start to break out, I think it's better to be ahead of the curve buying them versus waiting for the veteran players to continue to show us what they have. Like, we've seen Nico Collins a lot already. Whereas Tank Dell, all we've seen is him produce. So I think if I had to make a statement right now, it would be to actually roster Tank Dell instead of Nico Collins. And But at the same time, it wouldn't surprise me if Nico has a better game in week four because of the receiver position, how it works out. So I would try to get both guys if it's possible. But if I had to pick one, it would be the rookie. What we need is Robert Woods to just go away. Thank you, Robert. <laughs> yes, that would, that would be you, ideal Robert. as well. We have appreciated your <laughs> career. It has been a lot of fun. And we're ready for you to just go away now. Thank you. We're uh, we're up on time, so I will do uh, squeeze in one last question here. No explanation, just give me an answer here. In half PPR, would you drop any of the following players for either of these Chargers receivers, so either Quentin Johnson or Josh Palmer, depending who's available? Are you dropping any of these guys for one of those guys? DJ Moore, Cortland Sutton, Jacoby Myers, Nico Collins. Tank Dell is also available on waivers, by the way, according to this guy. But DJ Moore, Cortland Sutton, Jacoby Myers, Nico Collins. Are you dropping any of them for any of these kind of hot waiver wire options this week? Coop? So I don't think I am dropping any of those guys for for those two, though the funny answer is say drop DJ Moore to add either one. Right. Yeah. Erickson, <laughs> I know it hurts, but I kinda, you know, it's kind of not crazy. He's, yeah. he's a landmine guy that you drop. Someone <laughs> just, else picks yeah. him. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah. yeah, the bonus is you're, you're, you're uh, yeah. speaking him onto somebody else's team, right? So yeah. uh, Erickson, quickly, any of those guys are you dropping? Um, it'd probably be either Sutton or Nico to, to get tanked out. I mean, I don't think going aggressively after the Chargers receivers is something I need to do, but right. I, I don't know, like Denver, I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid that Sutton's going to beat me yeah. in, in Denver's offense. So, um, it'd be either him or Nico. All right. We'll wrap up there. Thank you so much for joining us, Coop. For both Andrews, I'm Ryan Warmly. We'll see you guys again next time. 
Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Pros Fantasy Football Podcast. Follow us on X, Instagram, and TikTok at Fantasy Pros, and subscribe to our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash fantasypros. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80, live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infinity QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. (laughs) Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services. 